This is Matthew Hester, Senior Pastor at Dominion Church. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Our podcast aims to deliver truth from God's Word concerning His kingdom and your righteous identity as His beloved child. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and do share it with a friend. We pray that you are blessed, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for coming. And thank you for joining us on the interweb. We are live now, so we're going to get started. Um, This has been an absolutely crazy week. Over this last probably two, three weeks, I thought I had something stirred up in the mix, ready to go. And come Tuesday, God went, nope, don't think so. I've got something else in mind. So, um... Part of it's going to be shooting from the hip, but part of it is going to be a lot of what I looked at over this past week really opened up my eyes that I never noticed in the last 120 years. Never thought about it, never gave it a look until God told me to go look at it, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the tale of two kingdoms, okay? And... I'm going to read some scriptures real quick, and I'm going to kind of set some things up, and then I'm going to show you what he was showing me on the two kingdoms, okay? So, the first scripture is Acts 1, at the very beginning, verse 1. We're going to go 1 through 8. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do, and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set on his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Starting at the beginning, verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 
How can someone be born again after they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb. And he said, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Those are key, key points when it comes to kingdom. Let's go back to the book of Acts. And go to chapter 2. In verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you scroll to Acts 3, I'm just, I'm reading these scriptures real quick because you'll see the points and where I'm going to go as this lays out, okay? So starting at verse 1, it said, One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, and there was a man that was there begging, and he looked at him. As they were about to enter, he asked him, he said, "Uh, hey, do you got some money? Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He took him by the hand, helped him up. And the man was healed. I labeled this the tale of two kingdoms because as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, we've had revival break out. There's been Ashbury going on. There's over at Charlotte, there's a bunch of outpourings happening. There's outpourings that are happening all over the country and all over the world, actually. And I had... A question that came to me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess. I said, "Great, there's revival. Then what?" So, in an arrogant tone, I was like, "Then what?" Because we've seen this over and over and over again. And I believe what the Lord was trying to tell me was not then what, but now what? Okay, so now what? And on Tuesday, this is when the Lord showed me. He said, I want you to go back and I want you to start studying revivals. So I was like, okay. So I went back and I started watching documentaries on the Welsh revival in Azusa. Those are the two big revivals that we know of. I didn't know. They were actually at the same time. So... All that was happening at the same time. These outpourings were happening. And while that was going on, you had ministries that were launched that would touch the next wave. So you had members, you know, William Seymour is the one that actually brought in Azusa. 
And then even though you had some of these other gentlemen that brought in the Welsh Revival, one of the most well-known names that came from that area that was completely laced into the Pentecostal movement was Smith Wigglesworth. Because he came out, and one of the testimonies that, that he said was, I'm going to go down there and check this thing out. He, he told his wife, and when he got there, he stayed there a few days, nothing really happened. He went in, talked to the people, said, listen, I'm leaving. I didn't get this Holy Spirit thing that you guys said was going on. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm not doing nothing, but I'm leaving. And the lady was like, well, can I pray for you before you go? And he's like, I'll always let anybody pray for me. Why not? She prayed for him. Boom. Man started speaking in tongues, started catching fire. He wrote back to his wife, baby, I got the Holy Spirit. And his wife was like, who on earth do you think you are? I have it. She goes, you're going to have to prove to me you get the message when you come back. Smith came back, gave the message with fire in his preaching. He was not a preacher. He, he stuttered and couldn't stand to be in front of people. He started blazing a message and miracles started happening. And his wife's testimony was, that's not my Smith. That's a different man. Out of those revivals, you've had the healing evangelists started to come out. F.F. Bosworth, uh, William Branham, you had uh, Oral Roberts, you had Catherine Kuhlman, you had all these major people that were coming in, going into the revivals, Amy Simple McPherson. You had so many different things that happened during that time period, which was floating around, you know, early 40s and 50s. Okay, so all these evangelists are, are hitting the world. Healings, miracles, signs, wonders happening. Then you have the Word of Faith movement. Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, all these men speaking faith. And, and you're still seeing, because you're seeing the transition and the trend of the revival coming in. Coming into the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Then you have the Jesus Revolution, that a movie just released. Okay, so, so you have the Jesus Revolution that went through the 60s and 70s and a little bit into the 80s, which you had the vineyard birth out of, right? <clears throat> Let's not forget one of the foundational fathers that you guys have had. Let's not forget the present truth storming out of Kelly Varner and everything that he did. Okay, there, all these ministries are just pulling, going through. Then you come into the early 90s. And you have the Toronto Blessing and the Brownsville Revivals. Another thing I didn't know, running simultaneously. I didn't know the spark in Toronto actually really flared up the spark that hit Brownsville. Okay, didn't know that. But here's what's awesome. Both of those fires were lit by a revival in Argentina that they went to. Didn't know that either. Okay, so one of the things that I started to see as everything was being laid out over the last 120 years was God didn't care about your denomination. He didn't care about your theology. He didn't care about your eschatology. All he cared about was would you walk out and step out in faith? That's all he cared about. And, and, and you'll see today, that's all he cares about. Ashbury is a Methodist college. He doesn't care 
what that is. He cares about the fact that they decided, you know what, we feel something here right now, and we're not leaving because God is here, and we're going to see what's going to happen. And they just let it go and let it go and let it go. And thank goodness the leadership actually seen what was going on and just let kids go. Powerful, powerful time movements. But that's the kingdom of God in the last 120 years. Just take a look at the last 120 years and see the wave that God has put across the world. That's the kingdom of God. That, that, that's what was happening. All those what we call revivals and all those ministries that were launched. I didn't realize the Toronto blessing. I started digging into this. This was interesting. The Toronto blessing. The ministries that launched out of the Toronto blessing. You had Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker. Powerful evangelist. Okay. Bill and Benny Johnson. And Bethel was launched out of the Toronto outpouring when they were hit. Randy Clark is the one that actually went and gave the testimony that started the whole Toronto blessing. And his ministry exploded into what the Randy Clark ministry is today. An evangelist that I know that I follow, Robbie Dawkins. He was a youth pastor when Toronto poured out. Got blasted. He's now one of the main guys that, that is uh, heading up, getting our brothers and sisters out of Afghanistan and in Iraq and Iran that brings them over as, as, as Christian people and helps conceal their identity so he can get them out of these war-torn countries to be free. He, that's one of the ministries that's launched out of Toronto. There was a Chinese man in Toronto named Gideon. This blew me away. Do I? You never know what God is doing. Okay. So John Arnett and his wife—they're down in Africa somewhere. They're ministering, and they're at a conference or something. They call back after to find out, hey, how'd everything go? How's it happening? All this, and he said, "Dude, we've got a lion in our midst." And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, there's a guy that's roaring like a lion. And he's like, did you shut this down? And he's like, no, you've told us not to shut anything like that down. You let the spirit move. And he's like, I'll get it when I get back. Watch the video of it. He's back. And he calls up Gideon, Chinese man. He said, Gideon, I understand we got a lion. Come on up here. Tell us what God's doing. He said, my people have been bound by the dragon in China for hundreds of years. And now, the Lion of Judah has them. Starts roaring like a lion. The Toronto blessing birthed out 33,000 people in China a day coming to Christ. 10,000 churches and the entire underground church movement came from the Toronto blessing. The kingdom of God is working the kingdom of God is flowing. And in the midst, this is what <laughs> this is what gets me. While all this is happening, we have fellow brothers condemning the movements of the Holy Spirit. Because they're 
They don't have the faith to believe that is the way it is. It's not that they're not faithful. They're, they're faithful in God. But what he started to show me is they're faithful. But to what kingdom? Because the religious are set up in the kingdom of man, not the kingdom of God. Now, let me show you the kingdom of man over the last 120 years. Okay? Now, this is what I find amazing. Because in the midst of everything I'm about to tell you, remember everything I just told you that was happening at the same time. World War One started about 1914-1918 in there. The Great Depression comes in in 1928 to 1939. By the way, during the Great Depression, during that time frame, Amy Simple McPherson, an evangelist out in L.A., builds a church that's a stadium in L.A. and has no problem having it funded, has no problem having anything that God wants to do because God's moving. I just wanted to point that out. In the middle of the Great Depression, World War II kicks off 1939-1945. You have the Korean War, 1950-1953. Vietnam was 55-75. to The Iran-Iraq War between them two were 1980-1988. The Cold War was 1979-1985. The Gulf War is 1990-1991. The Kosovo conflict's in the 90s. And let's not forget 9-11 that happened 2001 in September. That lasted over 20 years when we pulled out in 2020. When we tore apart the Middle East because of somebody crashing into our buildings. Let's not forget that. That was the last 120 years in the kingdom of man. All they have done is fight and kill. That's all they've done to esteem power and to obtain power over whatever they're trying to go after, over what they see fit to do. That's all that you see happening. I only went back 120 years, but I guarantee you if I went all the way back to the birth of the church and some of the stuff that I've read to you in the scriptures, we know that was happening all through Rome. So it's nothing different. Like I realized the dome on the rock, that beautiful, beautiful building that was made, that was made by blood money by one of the popes that wanted to leave his name left for eternity in the earth. He took money from everybody so he could build that building. Now you know why it's obtained by Muslims. Kingdom of man versus kingdom of God. <clears throat> That's the parallel that I was going down this whole week. And when you start to see the differences side by side, like, it's almost unbelievable. You know, like, could you imagine, like, I was, I was in the military in the 90s. I was serving in Iraq in the 90s. And I, and God is moving through Toronto and Brownsville. But he was moving through me, which is going to be the next part 
that I'm going to get to here too. Because not only did he show me, let's take a look at the two kingdoms and going down as God always does. Now let's make it personal. Let's take a look at you. So I started looking at my personal life and... So I was 20, I was 20 years old when I gave my life to Christ. I was in the military. Um, most of you know most of my testimony, so I'm not going to get into the, the big thick of all that. Um, it was just rough. And then God. Um, and so I took off. And went overseas on my first deployment into Turkey. As a 20-year-old, I turned 21 when I was in Turkey. Um, had an opportunity to realize the kingdom of man. The best way to put it. Um, and the whole time not realizing what God was trying to do. Newly born again, not knowing what was what, trying to figure this whole thing out. All I knew is when I did that, there was a lot of personal things I struggled with that fell off. And I was like, okay, there's got to be something to this then. Because you have to understand, I, I, I could drink a fifth of Jack Daniels in about three hours and continue to keep partying. I was smoking, I was chewing, I was even smoking marijuana when I was actually in the military. I was still a fireball of a wreck. And then when I gave my life to Christ, the funny thing is, is it all went away. All of it. I had no desire to drink, no desire to smoke, no desire to chew. I didn't even care about doing weed anymore. Actually, I actually came to the realization that, dude, if I get caught, I'm going to federal prison. I'm not going to just jail. I am going to a big time hit. So I came to realization that I do this needs to stop, right? And so when all that happened, I was like, okay, no cravings, no nothing, no withdrawals, gone. I was like, okay. There's got to be something here. So I kept digging and kept digging and kept digging. And I, I would read and read and I started to realize, man, they keep talking about this Holy Spirit thing, you know. And at the time, I'm going to say this because I think it's funny because I grew up in it. At the time, I was one of the very, very few white people in a black church. So I came... Empower a Holy Spirit, let me tell you. <laughs> so when I, I had to, I was trying to figure out what this thing was. Because I was, I was hearing everything that was being taught. I was seeing everything that was going on. And I, man, did I want it. Because I was just reading things. And I was like, you know what? My life has been hell up until this point. Man, I would like to be able to change and do something. And... Didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. So I was getting frustrated. And I remember one day, I got scalded by my spiritual mother for this badly. 
But I came home one day, I was frustrated because I wanted something so bad. And I came home from church and I chucked my Bible across the room. And I said, you know what, if you ain't giving it to me, then obviously I don't need it. I was mad. I was pouting like a child. (laughs) Because if one, I wasn't ready for it. The night that it happened, I remember I was in my good friend's house. We were having prayer. And we started having prayer every Sunday night. And we were praying and praying and praying. And I remember I got hit and baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was laid out. Dude, I was on fire. Started shaking. And I shook from the living room into the kitchen. And I was curled up in front of the refrigerator. Just just going to town, right? On fire. My, my body felt fire. And, and I was like, oh my goodness. After that night, our prayer meeting started to transform. We started to see lion's faces in the carpet. And we started, angels started to come into the room. And all these things started happening. And, and it just created a whole different atmosphere. And I was like, wow, this is just amazing. And, I, and we would stay up. you got to understand, we'd go to church Sunday morning. We'd go to the buffet after church. And then, like every good Christian does, we go to the buffet. We eat till we can't move. And then we'd come home, <laughs> take a power nap. And then we'd start prayer meetings, have dinner. Five o'clock at night, six o'clock at night, have dinner. Time for Bible study, prayer meeting. And then all of a sudden, we would pray. I remember most of the nights on those Sunday nights, we would pray until 6 o'clock in the morning when I had to be at work. Just basking in God. Not even knowing the time that's going on. Just lost. I would run back to my house, get changed, get ready to go to work all day long, never lose an ounce of energy. I'd get off work, sleep (laughs) the whole night, but just charged, ready for next Sunday because we knew Sunday was coming and Sunday night was coming. Right. But the thing that always stirred me that I I didn't know what it was for. Okay, we just thought it was just to enjoy God. Just to bask in his presence, to know then to know that he is. That's what we thought it was. That's what we kept doing. So then I get filled with the Holy Spirit at the time I had custody of one of my younger sisters. She had run away from home and went back down to Fort Myers, Florida, South Florida. So me and my friend were like, well, we got to go get her. So we took leave and we went down to go get her. And lo and behold, Brownsville's going on. So we go down and we're like, bro, we got to hit Brownsville. We got to hit Brownsville. You know, and it was like, we ain't got time, man. We got to get down and get back. So we're like, all right. So we get down. We're in the bookstore. Now, in that time, in the 90s, as I'm sure most of y'all know, there was no Amazon. There was no online. If you wanted a Christian book, you had to go to the bookstore. And you had to figure out what was in the bookstore. So you'd travel up and down those aisles, look at everything, go through everything. So we're in the bookstore, excited. Just going through books, checking out what somebody may have, looking at the authors that we grabbed onto, right? 
And we're talking, man, I wish we could have went to Brownsville, man. That would have been so much fun. That would have been so awesome. And only God. Somebody overheard us talking. And they said, hey, we have somebody that's been up there. And we're having service tonight. Would you all come? And we're like, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So we go to this church, and they had already prepared (laughs) the church people. Okay, they had already prepared. They're like, look, we found these two guys at the bookstore that from out of town, they're going to be coming. So we get to the church service. Worship starts going on. Everything's happening. We're like, all right, cool. I mean, you could feel there's just a charge. Like there was something's going to happen. It was just a charge. And so in that charge, the man come out. He's from South Africa. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was from South Africa, and he come walking out, and it was so crazy because I remember it like yesterday. We were in the second row, and the man come walking out, and he stopped, and he looked at dead in the eyes, me and my friend, and went, mm, and walked away. And we were like, okay, I ain't got a clue what that means, but uh, feeling like a setup. So worship gets done. He calls us forward. And just kind of looks at us and goes, uh, I understand you're here for the fire of God. And we're like, absolutely. And he's like, well, then take it. <laughs> Blew us out. I mean, we was on the floor in seconds. And then I get right back up. And he looks at me because I don't, sometimes I don't know how to respond certain ways. So he looks at me and he goes, stop getting dignified. Stop getting dignified. This is a time for you. Stop getting dignified. He's like, do you want it? I was like, yeah. And he's like, laid me out. All of a sudden, holy laughter comes upon us. I have never felt anything in my life like holy laughter. If you want to laugh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Your mouth gets going and you're like, I ain't moving this. Why is this moving? And you just, it, it comes from down here. And, and like everything in your being is just. And so we've laughed and laughed the whole service we was out. We were out. And we woke up at the end and we were like, yo, what happened? They were like, get the videotape. We'll send it to you. <laughs> so we had to watch what happened. Now, this is my kingdom of God movement. Now, remember, I'm still active duty in kingdom of man. I'm still having to serve. I'm still having to go places. I'm still having to do things. So the second part of the Gulf War comes and Saddam comes back down to Kuwait again, getting ready to start doing something. And I get deployed over to Bahrain. And I'm in the middle of the desert. Just sitting there. All right. I have a book in my hand, and I'm reading this book, and it's called The Fear of the Lord by John Bevere. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) if I'm reading this thing correctly, all right. I put it down one night. I'm going to do something on purpose. Walked out. Y'all, it's pitch black in the desert at night. I mean, scary, dark. 
I start walking that perimeter road. Most of you know this testimony. I've shared it before. I start walking this perimeter road back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, yo, if you real, you're going to prove yourself tonight to me. A thousand percent. I was just laid out a few months back. I had already been Holy Spirit filled. I had already been this. And, I, and, and yet there's still something that I couldn't, I couldn't grab onto. Because one of the things that I looked back on was I wasn't getting, once you receive, move. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is not here for you to play. It's here for you to move. He tells you, that's why I read Acts 1, once you receive the Spirit of God, it is for you to be a witness to me and to get out into the world and tell them I am real. And prove by the works that I will do, by the words that you have spoken in your faith. So I was still struggling with some stuff because I wasn't under the understanding that you had to move. So I'm walking in the desert, walking in the desert. And that third time when I did that loop and his arm went around me, no word spoken. And I walked three quarters of a mile all the way around our camp with the Lord's arm around me just bawling like a baby. And that's why John 1, when he says, look, there's things that we've touched, we've handled, we know that we know that He's real. And anyone that speaks otherwise isn't from us. And they don't know. So that was my time while I was active duty of the two kingdoms. I get out of the military and I go to Columbus, Ohio. Because at the time, the teaching was, if you want the mantle of someone, you have to get in the genealogical line of which it was passed down, right? So I went to Columbus, Ohio, because I wanted to receive that from Smith Wigglesworth. That was in my heart. That's what I wanted. I get there. And there is an, an anointing partners conference going on. And he lays hands on everybody in the building. Those that don't know, that's Pastor Rod Parsley's church. Pastor Rod Parsley, his mentor was Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall had the direct connection to Smith Wigglesworth. That's the pass down. So I was like, all right, that's the guy. I want to go get it. So, that's what I did. I went, I got it, he laid hands on it, I walked around, got my hands, he laid his hands on me, I walked up to the, the middle aisle and was heading back to my seat. When I got to the top, going to the cross aisle, a fireball hit me in the head and lodged down in my gut and I collapsed. And the dude that was behind me caught me and helped me all the way back to the seat. And I was like, I ain't got a clue what happened but I got something right 
I'm saying all this because this week what the Lord was starting to show me, okay, is in a tale of two kingdoms, you can be faithful to God and be in the kingdom of man and be absolutely unaffected. Or you can step out in faith with a little bit of courage and walk in faith and walk in his kingdom and you'll display the power of his kingdom. You'll walk in the power of his kingdom and you'll see the glory of the kingdom of God. And it's not by anything except your faith. That's all it is. He showed me Hebrews 11.1 in a different light. It we all know the scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But what he showed me was the English is wrong. What he showed me was now faith is what you're hoping for. Because by all of the Old Testament people, they all operated, the ones that operated mightily, operated in faith. That's why you can extend into a covenant that doesn't belong to you like those like David and everyone else that walked in the old covenant. That's why they could walk and do the things they did because they walked in faith. And it overpowers everything because God is looking for people that will walk in faith. Not people that... Let me rephrase that. He wants the faithful, but He wants the faithful... To be empowered by faith. Not to just be faithful. So it's time for the church. You want revival? Now what? It's your Peter in the boat movement. The apostles were just on the mountainside with Jesus. Feeding 5,000 plus people. By the miracle that Jesus did by duplicating the food, but by their hands, they were passing it out. They were just operating in revival, in miracles. And yet they get on a boat, and they go across the water, and Jesus said, y'all go over there, I'm going to go spend time with my dad. So they're all rowing, a storm comes. Right? They're all afraid. Can you hear the boat? There's only a couple that were fishermen. There's only a couple that were comfortable on the water at night in a storm. There's only a couple of them. I don't know about you. I don't do too well on water because I don't like what's in the water. Okay? I don't live fearfully. I just, my wife wants to go on a cruise. I don't want to because in the middle of the water, I ain't trying to be out there. I'm good with land. You can fly me in an airplane because if something happens, it's seconds. I'm good. You get me in a boat? Mm -mm. No. No. I'm not going to be Paul. I'm not going to hang on to a paddle and roll myself to shore. That ain't going to happen because I know what lives inside the water. Not going to happen. So anyway, there's only a couple of them that are good on the water. Dude, you got a tax collector in in a boat in a storm. This dude is used to dressing pretty, having all the stuff done. He's been walking with Jesus a little bit now, right? Come on. And then all of a sudden, you, he's out in the middle of the rainstorm, in the water. Dude, he don't know how to swim. Can you imagine what's coming out of that man's mouth? 
I know what would be coming out of mine. Same thing with some of these other people. Like, they're used to being on the land. And then the one dude, the one dude that isn't afraid, I'm not going to say isn't afraid, the one dude that can control himself enough in the midst of all that because he's used to being on the water, sees, says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out. And he's like, oh, you think you got faith like that, huh? <laughs> okay. Step. Come on out. I got you. Peter gets out of the boat. We all know the story. Peter gets out of the boat. Now, I've heard this story so many times about people preaching it. And I thought, man. So I started doing my study, looking at this a little bit, and I realized, do you realize that's only in one gospel? It's Matthew. That's it. Only one apostle thought it worthy enough to put in his... Dude, there's only one other dude other than Jesus that walked on water. And yeah, okay, so he went a few steps and fell, but the dude still walked on water. Like, he should have got props in all the Gospels. So I'm just kind of like, man. Okay, so I'm reading this and I'm looking at it, but then something caught my attention. And here's... Here's the whole... Thing that I want to actually release tonight. I talked to Apostle Matthew about this and he said do it. So I'm okay to do it. <clears throat> Peter saw something. But he didn't know how to process it in the moment. And I believe it's because they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. It, hasn't, it didn't come and consume them yet. So they didn't know how to process what was happening in the moment. Okay? This is why I say that. Because, whew, God, I feel him right now. Okay, so. Dominion has been a church of the prophetic. Okay? We train people in prophecy. We build up the prophetic. We love people prophetically. We give them words of encouragement to build them up, to help guide and direct them, to give them the Father's love, right? We tap into that anointing of the prophet. We tap into that. And that's what we've released into the world. But God said there's a time, the prophetic anointing is increasing on this house. And, it, and it's not just word only. He said the power of God's getting ready to come and strike this place like never before. It's getting ready to explode. And people are going to come for a word. But the amazing thing about it is when we're in the middle of giving that word, the people that are in this house that are trained are going to start seeing prophetically. Our eyes are going to be open to see things prophetically and to be able to change and shift the entire atmosphere of the things that are going on, not only in the world, but to change over the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God. That's what's coming into this house. And it's time for preparation to get ready. Because when the Friday nights start up again, you better get ready. Because the fire of God's getting ready to hit and land on this place. And the prophetic is going to be released all inside of this place and scatter like you've never seen before. I believe that. 
That's the word that he gave me this week. And I had no idea how to process. How do you see in the spirit prophetically? How do you see prophetically? And what he was showing me was when Peter was on the boat, this was just an example. He says, here's what I'm trying to show you. Peter stepping out of the boat had to realize that it's not the storms and the waves of the kingdom of man that was out there shaking everything up that caused his unbelief. It was the fact, (laughs) if you could hear this, hear this. Jesus was spending time with His Father. And He saw His Father in the storm. And that's what caused Peter to shake and tremble and fall back. Was he seen the Father right there in the storm because Jesus is spending time with him. And then the second he gets inside the boat, he says, Alright, Dad, peace be still. They can't handle this right now. It's time the prophetic is going to be launched like we've never seen. I believe that. And not only that, I want to give one other little small indication is we always mess up what people see prophetically when we try to interpret it in the kingdom of man. Look at how many times we've messed up John's revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is about Jesus It's not about the end of the world. It's about Jesus Christ. And John saw prophetically everything. And because we don't understand what he saw prophetically in the Spirit, we make up the things we can kind of understand. But but God is coming And we will start seeing prophetically. And things are going to shift. It doesn't matter what happens out there. It doesn't matter if this country falls. It doesn't matter if the world goes into World War III. It does not matter. I showed you the two kingdoms. That's why he showed them to me. Was because it doesn't matter what happens out there. We're not of that kingdom. We're of the kingdom of God. And that's where their faith is supposed to be put in and walk in. And that's where you'll start seeing everything that God wants to do. <laughs> I finally became a preacher like I wanted to be. <laughs> oh, Lord God. That was my word for this body. That's the word to go out on the internet. God is going to come in another way. The way He always has. By faith. And He's asking for the faithful to step up and step out in faith. And know that He's got you. Don't be scared when we see the Father moving because we don't understand it's the Father. Just know 
that he is. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this word. Holy Spirit, I just pray that the launching of this word goes out like a tidal wave. So that we would walk by faith. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Thank you for those viewing us online. I want to encourage you, please. I want to tell you, I'm just going to speak the truth right now. I want to tell you, y'all need to get here on Sunday. Because God's getting ready to do some stuff. And I'm not saying He can't do it through this internet link. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I know He can do that. I've received stuff off of television live. But I'm here to tell you right now, there's nothing that is going to change inside this atmosphere that you you won't have the opportunity to get because you're not here. And we want the opportunity to lay our hands on you, to love you, and to send you out. And so that we can embrace you and love on you like never before. So please, I encourage you, come to Dominion. Come and spend time with us. Come and fellowship with us. Let us love on you in person.